I want to invite my wife and my two daughters to come up here and join me uh, today. And I'm going to do this just a little bit different this morning. I want to have a conversation with my wife and my daughters about motherhood uh, and hopefully, hopefully bring some encouragement and some comfort to, oh, oh, the new little baby is here. <laughs> this is Harvey Van Cook. Harvey, 10 weeks old. Oh my goodness. How awesome is that? Got Harvey up here. This is our 10th grandchild. And uh, I didn't know we were going to get Harvey up here. That's awesome. Uh, I wanted to do that. I see there's a couple of our other little babies right down there. I see Scotty and Stella. Uh, that's Summer's baby. For those that don't know, my family is my wife, Starla. We've been married 37 years. We have 10 uh, four children and 10 grandchildren. And uh, these are our two daughters, Summer Star, Hunter Sky. Summer has three children, mom three times over, uh, one son and two daughters. And Hunter is our youngest, and she has her newest little baby right here, Harvey. He's 10 weeks old. And we are so excited that you guys would join us up here. I know I kind of sprung this on them, but I wanted... I wanted to get the mother's perspective on Mother's Day. You know, I don't think too many women want to come here and hear a man talk to him on Mother's Day. Uh, I got nothing to say, uh, but watch it. Watch it talking over there. But what I wanted to do is I've got a few questions that I want to ask these mothers, and hopefully they can help all mothers here today. But you know, one thing I do know that most all truth is parallel. It just transcends uh, gender. And if it's truth for one, it ordinarily is good truth for all. So I think we're all going to uh, find some help today. But let me ask you guys, you two girls here, first of all, uh, is there something <laughs> your mother did that you vowed you would never do? In the last two services, I said it, and I'll stand by it. I don't think I've done any. I don't think I vowed I would never do something that she did. So I'm not going to change my answer for you guys. <laughs> She's a great mom. Uh, I was really wanting to just get He's a little digging. bit of dirt. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll get off of Starla here for just a minute, and uh, let me ask you guys this. And you would know even more recently, but what, what was the most useless item on your baby registry? I said that you have this vision that your little baby is going to come out in like fashion show form and have all these cute outfits on and they just cycle through the exact same onesies every day. And now he's outgrown all the cute outfits. So <laughs> if anybody needs baby boy outfits that are cute, you probably won't use them, but they look cute. Anything? Um, for me, it was the crib. I did not use the crib. And some of you understand and some of you think I'm crazy, but it became more like a laundry catch-all. Like, the, the, the ba the, yeah, toys got thrown in it. The baby slept with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's, she got that from her mother. Uh, our baby slept with us, and usually when... 
the next baby came along, it kicked that first baby out. That's when they moved out into their own bed. Uh, that's why this one stayed with us for a long time. Uh, so you're still here? Aren't you 16? Uh, no, nah, I'm kidding. Not that long. Okay. <laughs> All right. What was the, what was the most useful item on your baby registry? This, yeah. If you don't know what this is, it's, it's amazing. It's called the snot sucker. And she said, you might gag, but it, I mean, it really is incredible. It's amazing. And if you don't know, ask a mom near you because it's, it's amazing. I use it multiple times a day. That's it? I'm, I'm going to agree with that one. You're, okay. All right. So what's the, what's the most glamorous part of motherhood and what's the least glamorous part? Um, Hunter mentioned the last service, least glamorous, is you just, you just don't get to shower as much once you have, you start having babies. It's just, you just got to roll with it. You're not always going to be as put together or prepared or, or maybe not even on time as often as you thought you would. Maybe you were really punctual before. It probably changed. <laughs> yeah. Want to add to that? I mean, the baby is probably the most glamorous, I would say. Um, it's just life-changing. And I think another awesome thing is you step into a new season. Um, like, I've gotten the chance to bond with other moms here who have really paved the way for me. And I wouldn't be where I am without them. So I think that was one of the most, the sweetest things that I've been able to step into and be like, ah. Oh, I get that. I get that. That's, that's, it's so special. It really is. All right. Okay. So what, and everybody wants to know this, especially the kids, they want their parents to know this. What's the one disciplinary tactic that always works? It's the (laughs) go-to. Timeout. The the one, two, three method. They come running. He comes running. The 10 week old. (laughs) Okay. So you haven't figured this out yet. Mom, Starla, Summer. You go first. Um, you know, all of our kids are different, and we need to discipline them different. I, we didn't get it all right, um, although we, we tried our best. But I would just encourage moms, no matter how old your children are, to, to just really listen to them. And you need to learn their personalities, learn their love languages, learn what is a bigger sacrifice to them and take that away, you know, when they're being disciplined. Um, but also let your kids express what they're going through and don't just tell them to stop. If they're upset, you know, if they're mad or if they're, their feelings are hurt or if they're crying, don't just tell them, get over it, just let it go. Let them tell you why. Let them talk that out. Because if we just continually make them press down their feelings and hide them, then they'll, they'll learn how to lie and they won't be open and honest with you. So you've got to let them tell you without you getting mad at them. And if you can't handle it, then send them to therapy. Therapy is not a bad thing, right, girls? <laughs> it is not a bad thing because your children, both my girls went through therapy. Does that tell you anything? <laughs> uh, but your children need an outlet. They need to be able to say how they're feeling and learn how to process that. And I got a funny story about one of my sons. So we didn't allow our kids to say to each other, I hate, you know, hate, dumb, stupid. We didn't want them to to say that to each other. So, but every once in a while, you just need to say a bad word, right? So I told told my son, you know, I said, (laughs) 
<laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so I told my son, you can say those things about the devil because, you know, we hate him. He's stupid. He's dumb. So my son often would say when he would want to just call one of his siblings out, I hate that stupid, dumb devil. <laughs> All of them at once. <laughs> And I'm going to go a little bit further because it's the last service. So, you know, the S-H-I-T word, right? Okay, so my, my son was, he was probably three, and he were riding in the car, and he said it out loud. I'm like, where did you hear that? And he said, I, you know, he told me, a friend said it. I said, do you know what it means? So I explained, and I said, you don't need to say that. And he said, well, the devil is H-I-T. <laughs> anyway, it was funny. And I said, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, I'm done. All right, disciplinary tactics that seem to work. <laughs> um, okay, so my oldest is six, so I haven't been doing this very long, but um, she talked about really like understanding your kids, learning their personalities, learning their love languages, and even when they're this little, um, my second, Scotty, she's four, and she just, she comes alive when you acknowledge what she's done with words of affirmation, and it encourages her to do more. It encourages her to um, to help more with her little sister, with just to be nicer. I mean, just the littlest things. Um, but also giving my kids the chance, giving them the like the ability to choose for themselves, giving them options instead of just saying no, giving them choices. Um, letting them have like that power to decide certain things, it, there's so many less meltdowns when they feel like they have a voice and they feel like they have a little bit of a say in the situation. Um, and I mentioned this uh, in one of the services. I, I was watching um, Misty Mitchell, who's an amazing mother, and um, she told her oldest son no when he was asking and interrupting the conversation. And um, he said, yes, ma'am, but can I ask why? And she said, yes. And she stopped what she was doing, and she turned all her focus and attention to him, and she explained. And I just thought that was, like, one of the most amazing things. And I'll tell my son all the time, if I tell you no, there is a reason, and if you want to ask why, you can. But let's not, like, throw a fit about it and have, you know, a meltdown. Yeah. So who's the stricter parent for you two? Hmm? Um, Hunter and I have different answers <laughs> because we kind of grew up in different, like they're different parenting seasons. So for me, it was my dad and for... It was my mom. <laughs> yes. I would, go to my, I would go to my dad when I wanted a yes. Because... The baby. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Because daddy could not say no to the girls. <laughs> he could say no to the boys, but not the girls. <laughs> Am well, I right, girls? Well, you, you got some no's, yeah. Well, parenting changes. Uh, and those of you, even, even like when the pacifier falls out on the ground, you know, it's the first child, you'll take it and run it under hot water to make sure it's all sterilized, right? You know, the second child comes along and you may, you may rinse it, if it falls to the ground, the third child comes along and rinse it. Who's going to waste time for that? You know, lick it, you know, 
stick it back in. The fourth child comes along and you call that stuff on the pacifier fiber. You just pick fiber. it up and stick it back in. <laughs> Hairballs and fuzz and everything. Immune the, that's booster. right. That's right. And by number four, you're so exhausted. It's like do whatever you want to do. I don't care. <laughs> but yes, look how good she turned out. Parenting styles definitely have changed. All right, but. Who took you for donuts before school in the morning? Uh, that's right. That's right. Don't forget that. Uh, All the teachers love. <laughs> hey, him. I'm not. I'm not too proud to buy their love. <laughs> uh, it was supposed to be one morning a week we'd have a donut day, uh, and it was you know. But sometimes we were running late, and there'd be two or three mornings. But still have that problem. But anyway. Okay, let me let me ask you guys. Uh, you know what? What are some? Well, we talked about challenges. How do you balance the the challenge of motherhood, quiet time, personal time, devotion time? How do you balance all of that as a mom? I don't balance it. <laughs> I'm ten weeks in, and I don't I don't have that all figured out, and that's okay. Um, I find it in the quiet moments in the middle of the night when I'm breastfeeding and just put some worship music on or read some scripture. And uh, during the day, like it just, I try and set the atmosphere with it. And it's immediately, there's so many times where in these early weeks where you just get high strung and you're trying to figure it all out, make sure he stops crying immediately and all these things and just navigating it. And, and those, that tense feeling just completely carries on into him. And so I've noticed that just my times of worship are just to put the music on, read scripture aloud, and let the peace of the Lord just come upon us. And that's all that I can do right now. Um, I mean, every season's different. And that's, that's it for, like, every area of motherhood. And I think it just continues. Um, I was in her shoes, and my quiet time looked like the middle of the night, holding or nursing a baby or holding a baby that wouldn't, didn't want to sleep in the middle of the night, but at the whole house was asleep, and that's when I would just pray and talk to Jesus, and um, I, I feel like you're like, you've never felt closer to Jesus than when you're holding like a newborn baby just experiencing that miracle of life. Um, But it looks totally different now, and um, it's not really alone time. It's like (laughs) worship and prayer time, but with the kids. But um, they they get it. Uh, Like, we start our mornings with worship. We end our evenings with worship. They love story times and stuff, but we always end with worship and prayer. And um, they know that, like, if it's chaotic and it's crazy, I'm going to say, all right, guys, we're going to, like, we're going to pause. We're going to take a break. We're going to turn on some worship music. And we're just going to, like, chill for a second. And I will ask the Lord. I'm like, Lord, help us. Help me to have patience. Help me to have grace. But I say it out loud in front of my kids because I want them to know, like, you're going to be my age and you're still going to be saying like, Lord, help me. (laughs) I need your help right now. So alone time and quiet time. It's not real quiet. It's not alone, but that's okay. One thing that I do know that our girls do very well, all three of these girls, 
is they're very intentional about worship music being played in the house. Very intentional about making sure that they're setting the atmosphere. I've seen it when I've been over to both their homes. Starla does it in our home. They create the atmosphere of the presence of the Lord through worship. And, uh, and I applaud you all for that. Uh, so let, let's talk about some of the tougher times, the challenging times. Uh, and I'll defer over here to summer. Uh, and those of you that have been with us for a while, you know we, our oldest grandson is 10 years old. So over the last 10 years, uh, we've had 10 grandbabies born. But we've also uh, know that we have six grandbabies in heaven. And Summer miscarried two of those precious children. And uh, their names are Nariah and Benjamin. And she wears them on her necklace and I remember and I, I still visualize it so clearly when Summer and Tyler and I think for the sake of this story Tyler may have just taken a couple babies out but Tyler and Summer took Starl and I to a restaurant and gave us this gift and we opened it up and it was one of those little onesies <laughs> And that was their announcement to us that they were pregnant only to find out a few weeks later that she had lost that child. And I remember as, as painful it was, as it was to watch this girl go through 17 hours of labor, watching you go through that loss. I've, I've never felt more helpless in all my life. How in the world summer star did you process through the loss of two babies? There's no easy way to explain it. Um, and like you said, you've never felt more helpless because you literally can't do a thing about it. Um, so in ways, I, I felt helpless. Um, I can only speak to my experience and I know there are so many mothers who have lost um, their children in different ways. And it is, it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you experience seeing that heartbeat, hearing that heartbeat, and it's real. It's a baby. It's not just the two blurry lines that you saw weeks ago. It's, it's your baby. And then you lose that and you don't know what to do with it. And a lot of people have experiences and have never talked about it and that's okay. Um, but there are so many people who feel so alone in that moment. And I found so much comfort in just laying before the Lord and saying, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you because I know your promises are good. And it might not look the way I thought it would look, and it might not look the way I hoped it would look, but that's okay because I know that your promises are good. And I would just ask him to give me his peace, and I would give him my pain. And I was just going to trust him, even though 
I didn't know the outcome. I think one of the beautiful things about summer is taking that pain and, and blessing other moms who experience the same thing. She has a heart to minister to them and she'll put something together. She'll write something beautiful and she'll give that to them. And I think, you know, for me, if, if there's one thing that I would want my kids to say about me is that I always trusted Jesus. And I look back at my mom and all the things that she went through and she had a son run away from home at like 12 and a half and he was gone until he was 16. We didn't see him again. And then we had another son that ended up in prison and I watched her go through heartache, but she said, I trust you, Jesus. She, she took care of her mother, her father, my father until they passed away in her home. And each along the way it was, I trust you, Jesus. And that's, you know, no matter what we go through, your kids are watching you. And if you teach them to trust, just trust, no matter how hard it is, you can get through life because God is always faithful, always true. Amen. You know, we're, we're an extremely close family and my daughters have allowed me to be there in the room when they've given birth to their children. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I know this, that, you know, one thing Hunter said was that, you know, it kind of dawned on her when she's in the middle of her uh, labor and delivery that there's only one way through this, and that's to get through it. There's no backing out now. She went all natural and no pain and medication, and, uh, and that's, that's the way we have to approach life. You can't just back out and run when things get tough. There's not, there's not always a little escape hatch for you to avoid pain and difficulties in life. Sometimes it's just moving and barreling right on through it, embracing it, and finding a way to be able to deal with it. We've had to experience that with the highs and the lows of having children born and praying with our daughters who have lost children. Uh, But in all of it, the foundation is learning to trust Jesus. And I will tell you, every single person in this room right now, those that are watching this service online, the answer is trusting Jesus. For anything in your life, for your salvation, you got to trust Jesus. He's the one that paid the price for your sins. Put your trust and your faith in him. For healing in your body, you got to trust Jesus. You want comfort in the midst of chaos, you got to trust Jesus. You need your broken heart put back together. You've got to trust Jesus. If you don't know what the future looks like and you're wondering, can you get through this thing called motherhood? You know, and you feel like you're about to lose your mind. Trust Jesus. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that he's not just the savior of our souls. You know, the word savior actually means provider of all things. He didn't just come to keep us from going to hell. He came to provide that healing that we need, the comfort that we need, the assurance that we need, the healing. He's here to provide all that you need. So men and women, old and young, mothers and non-mothers here today, the answer for anything you're facing today is trust Jesus. Put your trust in him. Would you do me a favor and just stand to your feet? all over this place. And I want to challenge you 
regardless of what you're facing today, regardless of what you're up against, regardless of what you may have come from or may be going into, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. He's the one who will lead you. He's the one that will guide you. He's the one that will order your steps. He's the one that will put things back together and make sense out of all of this chaos. Trust Jesus. Moms, trust Him. Trust Him when you can explain everything that's going on in your life. Trust Him when you can't explain anything, when nothing makes sense at all. Trust Him. Just trust Him. Because He knows what's best for you. I want to pray over you today. And I just want to speak exactly what you need from Jesus. I want to speak that into your life today. And then we're going to conclude with this song. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I've proved you over and over and over and over again. I can say without a doubt that Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And if you've never put your trust in him, choose Jesus today. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this room today and those that are watching this service online. It is sweet to trust you because we know that you hold the answers for everything. You're the one who heals our broken heart. You're the one who comforts our our soul in the midst of chaos. You're the one who gives us guidance and direction. You're the one who speaks peace over our lives when nothing seems to make sense. So Lord, we put our trust in you today, regardless of what our situation is in life today, we put our trust in you. Whether things seem to be the best they've ever been or whether they seem to be the worst, we put our trust in you. And we will trust you today and we will trust you every day. It's in your name we pray, amen.